can we get them to talk about video games? Yeah, like I like some video games, especially when they have to do with space aliens. Or the ones that have the spiders. <laughs> do you ever play Body Harvest? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and malapropisms. My name is Bob. My name is Matt. And Matt, I understand that you have been saying things incorrectly or in ways that are easily misunderstood. So, um, as you probably have heard, this new Marvel movie called Infinity War came out, uh, like, uh, last Friday. Yeah, Infinity Ward. This is the issue I've been having, <laughs> is that I keep I keep talking about it with people. I have not seen it, but I enjoy reading the spoilers and following like the uh, the money of the industry. Yes, indeed. And every single time I talk about it, I always I say like like Infinity Ward is like it's like coming out this week. Have you seen it yet? And people look at me like, what? Yeah, they're like, dude, that studio is a shell of its former <laughs> self after the departure of the founders when they were fired by Activision. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. They get it. That's my malapropism, really. That's my okay. only malapropism. Uh, I don't. I don't have never any. Made any others. The one. The one that I have perfect. is is not even one. But I always say downtown Abby. <laughs> She's just a girl trying to make it in I the big say, city. See, I always say Backstreet Abby. Uh, what? <laughs> that seems totally different. Yeah, that's. Uh, she had that record, black and mine. blue. Yeah. It wasn't as good as the other one where they were back. Millennium. Yeah. That went toe to toe with Millennium. How many Millennium Themed flavored things <laughs> albums were there? I mean, when you think about like Y2K as a cultural event, I don't think there's going to be anything in our lives just like as pervasive and meaningless and also just kind of unrelated to anything that practically affected anyone as Y2K. Did your parents go through any kind of like a prepper stage? Or survivalist. Uh, like following 9-11, we got a lot of distilled water, which was put into our basement. <laughs> oh. On December 29th, 1999, several days before the <laughs> before Y2K, my dad filled the bathtub with water just <laughs> no. in case. He filled the bathtub with water. Yeah. He put on Prince's record, 1999. Yeah. <laughs> and you all listened to Little Red Corvette. <laughs> Lit some candles, had a nice bath. It was really nice. <laughs> yeah, very romantic. <laughs> All right. Uh, I heard that you have a lot of news. I've got some news for you. Um, I'm not even sure what of this news is from this week, what might be going back further than that. But let's kick it off. The with, World's Fair. <laughs> let's kick it off with some fork knife. Okay. Speaking of malapropisms, have you heard about fork knife? No. Apparently, and I assume that this started with like a text autocorrect. But Fortnite has been referred to as Fork Knight by a bunch fork of people. Fork Knife? Fork Knife, as in a fork and a knife. Like what you are, eat with. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, and so this has like led to parents going around like referring to their kids playing Fork Knife and requesting GameStop employees, like, can I get a Fork Knife for my child? I see. Yeah. Um, anyway, Fortnite. Did you hear about this Comet thing? I heard that there was something having to do with a comet in this game, but I've not been playing this game, so I have no idea. Okay, so late in March, um, 
Fortnite players who all play on it. It's all one map, even though people play on it 100 people at a yep. time. It's one map. Uh, Fortnite players noticed that there was this speck that was up in the sky that hadn't been there before. Okay. And that was observed. A few days later, the speck got a little bit bigger, and then it got bigger, and then it got bigger, bigger. and soon they realized that it was a comet flying towards the Fortnite map. Oh, wow. Out of space. And it kept getting bigger and bigger. At one point, it would like even became audible. That's pretty cool. And so recently, it finally hit. Oh, wow. The comet hit, and it hit some sort of a location called Dusty Depot, and it created like a huge crater. So what this essentially was, was that Fortnite is entering what it's called it's calling season four. Um, I guess it's like, which is, means like a bunch of huge updates and stuff like that. Right, they're right. They're constantly updating this game. Yeah, it's, and tweaking it's, it, it and seems like it a better. totally different game than when we were playing I'm it. sure it must be totally different. Not enough so that I really feel like playing it again. I've got other things on my plate. Yeah, exactly. Which to I think eat we'll with my about. fork knife. <laughs> I only eat with spoons. Um, anyway, it's uh, other updates also hit with the comet. Quote, yeah. strong work on your part so like i think that it's this is not necessarily revolutionary but the cleverness of saying like hey these updates are coming and we're we're going to tell you i mean obviously the mystery of it but we're essentially telling you these updates are coming by it's changing like, the map in some way it's like diegetic music in a movie yes where suddenly something kind of snaps in and you're like oh wait we're listening to this in their house uh it, it's it's the incorporation of something that is completely fourth wall breaking into the actual material. It's a diegetic update is what it is. It's really is like, cool. It's like it's a press release. It's a diegetic yeah, press release in many that's ways. That's so neat. It's really fucking cool. I was, I was really impressed by that and it actually made me want to go back to Fortnite because I can imagine that the mystery of seeing that up in the sky... Because people just know these, this game inside and out. Right. And so they, to the point that they can spot a speck that wasn't in the sky prior to whatever yeah that's a little much but that seems really really cool yeah very into it all right moving on the nintendo labo is out the labo people seem to be both bemused and amused (laughs) uh and i am confused (laughs) that's actually i am confused a little bit not really Um, actually i I totally understand this apparently well i'm confused by some of it apparently you can like build a house with the labo there's like a house thing that you can build and apparently there's a bathtub inside the house and you can fill it with water well that's what you do before y2k (laughs) when you are prepping um i find all of this very confusing i don't quite know how to youtube it i suppose i could just like youtube like labdo house filled with water if you labo if you labo bathtub it might get a little weird yeah precisely which is why i i'm not ready to go that I get it that direction. We'll wait until later in the but night. Anyway, what do you know about the Labo? I just know that it seems cool and it seems like a pretty natural extension of Lego Mindstorms or other things that I fooled around with as a kid that are kind of programming things that don't really actually act like programming um, in certain senses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also just seems like a fun thing to do with your hands, are which you, I really appreciate. Are you going to buy one? Uh, I am not going to buy one. You have. Uh, I would like to buy two one. nephews. I do. They're would a little you, young. Do you think they're still too young? They are too young. What's the age range for this? Like 20? Yeah, kids, I would say anywhere between like 30 and 31. Okay. Um, no, I, I I don't know. But they're like four, three and four, or two and three. Are they not precocious? <sighs> they're smart. Uh-oh. Um, and I also have a niece, or not a niece, a cousin's daughter. 
So I don't know what that is to me. But at one point, she identified that the moon was out during the day with which uh, her father and I both thought was like really cool because we were like, I didn't notice that the moon is out the today. The moon can't come out during the day. Uh, and we were like, does this portend an update? <laughs> um, which was pretty cool. It's getting closer. But uh, like, you know, at that that age, they're still like learning what their own hands are. So I feel like a cardboard car or rocket ship or robot is a little bit beyond them. That's true. Yeah. So uh, when are we going to start season four of Zero Stars? What kind of updates can we expect? Uh, I've to got see? that targeted for 2024, and uh, it's a trading system um, that'll be kind of asymmetrical, though, because we can't actually make it synchronous. Wait, are we building a zero stars economy? Yeah. So, okay. If you send us $20, <laughs> I will write you an IOU that for zero bucks. <laughs> um, the name, the answer is in the name <laughs> Zero Stars, the pyramid scheme. The official pyramid scheme of the podcast. It's on the blockchain. <laughs> um, speaking of the Tendo Labo, apparently it didn't do so hot because something else happened the same day that the Labo came out. God of War sold 3.1 million copies in its first three days on shelves. Oh my God. So I want to give this some context. Um, first of all... <laughs> Oh my GTA God. 5 has sold mil- 90 million copies. But that's the best-selling thing all- of all time. No, it's not. The best-selling thing of all time is Tetris with an estimated oh. 170 million. Well, yeah, but Tetris is the best game of all time. Yes. Fight Appropriately. me. Appropriately. Uh, threes, potentially. Uh, potentially. <laughs> potentially, no. <laughs> uh, some more context. Skyrim was 30 million. Red Dead Redemption sold 15 million. A better comparison would be The Last of Us, which is on both the PS3 and the PS4 and is estimated to have sold over 8 million. So God of War has done 3.1 in just three days. And that's before word of mouth carries it higher up the ladder. It's totally deserved. Yeah. Do you think they'll make a sequel? (laughs) I guess the question is, will they call the sequel God of War 2? Ooh. I have not beaten that game. Uh, you have, so don't say anything. Mm-hmm. But the question is, do you play as the child in the sequel? Ooh. Yeah, okay. Ooh. We'll learn next week if I hopefully can beat it. I'm just getting married, so I don't really have a lot going on. <laughs> you could The day of the wedding, you actually do have to kind of chill for a while. Just come over here and play God of War. I am coming over here, so maybe <laughs> we'll do that. Um, in any case... That's real good. It's good for Sony. It's uh, it's good for, for everyone, especially because God of War is a very good game. Yeah, that's awesome because that is the exact sort of game that I want to sell a lot. Yeah. Uh, speaking of games that probably didn't sell a lot, did you ever play Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze on the Wii U? I did not. Well, it's out on the Switch now as of the uh, recording of this podcast. Anything being on the Switch is good. I've heard it's really good. I've heard that game is terrific. I never liked the Donkey Kong Country games. I I have never liked them either. So that's my reservations about it are entirely based around that. This was never. This one wasn't made by Rare, though, was it? I think it was. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This was made by uh, Retro. Of Metroid Prime. Yes, but it seems like the principals actually left that studio a long time ago. The people that were responsible for Metroid Prime, and they uh, made that weird first-person Mega Man that never came out but a video leaked of it 
and uh, it looked like it felt really good. I want to see this video. Uh, when was this? What was it going this to be for? This is years and years ago. Was it going to be for like the GameCube or? Uh, no, no. This is like a Wii. This is like a 360 era type thing. And it was Mega Man branded. It was intended to be a Mega Man game. Like they they had some offshoot studio. They left re- retro. They went and formed this thing, and they got contracted to like build a proof of concept. And the video of it leaked, and it looks like Metroid Prime. But he like runs down a hallway and mantles over something, and it just oh. looks like it feels good. Right, I love. It does not look like a Mega Man game. Yes. Well, it depends on whether you like the feel of Mega Man. Yeah, which I I think. It does not look like it even feels like a Mega Man game. It just looks like it feels good, and I want those people to make games that feel good. I'm thinking of Mirror's Edge, but with a blaster cannon. You are not far off, my friend. giant blue metal boots. He's a Mega Man. He is. Anyway, um, I've learned that people really care about the Donkey Kong universe based on the comments of a bunch of articles. People are very into the genealogy of the Donkey Kong family, like ancestry.com for Donkey Kong. (laughs) But the thing is that like that, that bespeaks like a certain amount of irony with regards to it. There are like people who really care, like really care personally (laughs) about how Donkey Kong is presented and will like argue over which voice actors have best represented Donkey Kong over the years. I cannot follow those people. It's I, a weird hole to go down. I don't, <laughs> but what if this is really <laughs> the, the, the prevalence of the century? The prevalence of these comments on these blogs has made me realize that despite how good this game might actually be as a platformer, the majority of people who are still buying it and care about it are Donkey Kong Country enthusiasts. Oh, definitely. I think that Donkey Kong Country is one of those strange things where people that like it really like it in a way that I don't, I just can't. Get although a lot of them I'll don't seem to it. like this one as much. Really? Yeah, they prefer the old ones. Mm. They Those really there's like a good. cry for like HD remakes on the older ones. Those old ones are bad games. I don't. They're not good. No, but no. I don't know. They're if I sludgy. Call them they're bag. they're they're, bag. S- they're bad games. Full of mal- malapropisms today. <laughs> yeah, I uh, put them in a trash bag. That's what they are. <laughs> Moving on, I've got a blast from two different pasts for you. <laughs> String theory. Let it die. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Oh, I love it. From like a year or two ago? Yeah, yeah. Let It Die is having a crossover event with Killer7. What? So uh, Killer7 is the 2005 uh, Grasshopper Grasshopper manufacturer game by Suda51. I believe that it was partially written by Shinji Mikami. Uh, I don't know about his involvement, but it was a Clover joint. It was a Clover joint. Uh, Okay. And damn, I've never beaten that game. I've only gotten about halfway through it. Can you describe what it is real quick? It is very difficult to describe. It is a game where you play a man in a wheelchair who has seven different personalities. It is this crazy cell-shaded looking thing. You inhabit these different personalities and play through these levels that are kind of like rail shooters with branching paths that you play from the first person. So you enter a level and then you kind of just push forward on the stick until you either encounter enemies or reach a branching point, and then you choose where to go, and you solve minor puzzles. The music is composed by the person who did the music for God Hand, oh, uh, which means it, it has, it's not surf rock, but it's that very guitar-driven. Like You solve a puzzle, and there's this awesome little acoustic guitar stab that happens. So good. Um, Killer7 is, I would not say, a good game, but is an incredible game. And if you have the opportunity to get it on a GameCube, which is the only place it came out, 
you should grab a copy of it um, and check it out because it's so weird. Like the tutorial, like Navi character in this mm. game is a floating dude who's like been hung off the, like maybe, I think he's like, maybe he's hung like literally like he hanged himself, but he's in a gimp outfit and he speaks in this garbled English where you're like, is he speaking English? Like some of the words line up with what you're reading on the screen and some of them don't. It's so messed up. When you die, this fixer comes in and gets your head in a paper bag and revives you. And there's like, it is so Suda 51 and so awesome and so screwed up does and it play, so visually amazing. Does it play to Suda's advantages unlike certain other games? Like, uh, I would not call it a good game, but it's a very interesting game. I think I would like to play this. Um, uh, I thought we did. I was very drunk. Okay. It was like one of the first times I met you. Yeah, it probably and was. In order to deal with meeting you. <laughs> I get it. Was, it. it was very late. It was like 3 a.m. Yeah, I... It's a very difficult thing to just jump into, and I don't know how good it is, but I know that every time I am exposed to it again, I am blown away by like the sheer insanity, ambition, and scope of it. We should, uh, we, we should, should fire it, it up. I yeah, have we should it. fire it up. Like, what are you doing after your wedding? <sighs> Nothing. Because I'll be there. Probably and a divorce. <laughs> very soon after. Next step. That's a joke. I actually. I'm not doing that. I got my marriage license today. Oh, congratulations. What does that mean? Does it that means mean I'm officially... allowed to get... No, no, no. It just oh, okay. means that like we have to have the officiant sign this thing. Oh, okay. So like Cook County is allowing us to get married. Oh, good on Cook County. It's great because my favorite uh, version of The Thrill is Gone is off of B.B. King live at Cook County Jail. So there's no county I'd rather get married in. Than where he sang The Thrill is Gone. To a bunch of... Inmates. Inmates. Uh, anyway, back to Killer7. <laughs> so Let It Die is another game by Suda51. It's free to play. Very cool. It's very interesting. It is sort of like a janky-ass Dark Souls, but with a really interesting um, free-to-play slash... Excellent opening. Incredible start screen. Very excellent. Incre- one of the best start screens of the recent... Yes. Of, of recent memory. decades. Really, Recent really centuries. Stellar. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, like, as you said, Killer7 is really only available on the GameCube and came out in 2005 to rather, like, lukewarm Tepid. bemusement. Yes. I, <laughs> Talk I, about uh, bemusement. It's one of those things where if I was writing reviews of video games, I would be hard-pressed to say anything. It's weird because if you're somebody that's being told by somebody else that you have to say negative things because you have to, like, review and give purchasing advice... Mm-hmm. I'd be like, it's hard to tell somebody to spend $50 on this. But at the same time, it's like, if you have $50, you're not going to get a, you're not going to get this anywhere else. Like if you want something crazy, dude, this is it. I mean, back then you could also rent it. You could have. Yeah. And now you could probably never stream it because no one's ever going to release this game. So that begs the question of like, who is this for? I think this is for is it Suda just for 51. you? <laughs> so it's for Suda. And I, I, I mean yeah. that totally with like all the positivity in the world. I think this is just like Suda 51 made Killer 7. And in many ways, I think Killer 7 is like the production values were very high. Like this was yeah. a full on Capcom game. You know what I mean? In, well, in, was it one of the Capcom? It was one of the Capcom 5. five. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is the Clover Studio. Like they made this. 
Resident Evil 4 was part of the Capcom 5. We should do a Capcom 5 retrospective at some point. We should. Uh, we have Piano 3 as well. Yeah, let's Piano do it. 3 I, is I the, really liked when we played that. Piano that 3 is better than people think. That's uh, To avoid any malapropisms, that's P-N, as in P as in Patty, N as in Nancy, 0, 3. Or yes. is it an O? I think it's a 0. Okay, so it's P-N-0-3. Uh, but that's that's a the forgotten Shinji Mikami game that came between... God Hand and Resident Evil 4. It's very sparse and feels almost unfinished. Or maybe before... Oh, it's definitely unfinished. But it's, it is a fascinating feeling game. There are moments when you play that game where you go, oh, wait, this whole game is a vertical slice. Yeah. And it just happens that it goes on forever and then that kind of sucks. A but vertical the, when, slice of cake. when you are playing the way it is meant to be played... You're like, this is cool as hell. Shinji Mikami makes the best games. Oh my god! Yeah, it's great. We should. Yeah, let's definitely plan a retrospective. Let's do it on the Capcom Five. All right. Um, also, just quick reminder that Let It Die's currency is called Death Metals. Final, final <laughs> news item: Ikaruga arrives on Switch May 29th. What? No, are you are you ready for the really good news? You can turn it vertically. You can turn it vertical. <laughs> oh no! You can play Ikaruga with vertical screen support. Oh my god! <laughs> Let's take Listener. a break. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, you need to buy Ikaruga on the Switch. You need to buy a Switch. You need to buy Ikaruga. What is Ikaruga? Can you tell us more Ikaruga about this? Ikaruga is. Oh my god! <laughs> I did not. This is this is clearly the episode where I give Bob weird news about old games that he loves, and then ask him, "Can you exp- can you explain what exactly?" this oh is? Oh my god, Ikaruga is so sick. Uh, Ikaruga is an amazing game. I Ikaruga is, in my opinion, one of the peaks of game design in the vein of something like a Tetris, where it's just like it's so pure, it's so holistic in its design, it's beautiful it is tough as nails it is unforgiving and it is so confident in its just lack of giving you anything it's such a special game in many ways it's kind of the opposite of the bemusement park that is killer (laughs) seven yeah because it is so pure and if you sit down and you will understand ikaruga and it will kick your ass it is pure game but it's a top-down shooter right yes this is a a bullet hell shooter where you are a spaceship uh, you are viewed sorry, from not a plane, a spaceship, a spacecraft, <laughs> spaceship. You are viewed from above, right? It's just a like if you ever played what 1942, uh, anything like that. Um, it was an arcade game in Japan. It was published by Sega. Uh, um, treasure developed it, right? Yes, it is a treasure ass treasure game, and um, it's a bullet hell shooter. So you are fighting against other spacecraft. They shoot a bunch of bullets at you, and you have to dodge them and shoot the space craft that are attacking you right but what's the twist here's the twist that they all turn to dust at the end yeah that's it man guess what they're coming back uh the real twist though is that there is a button in this game that lets you flip the color of your ship from black to white and every other enemy in the game is colored either black or white and when you are the opposing color of the enemies on the screen you do more damage to them but you are damaged and if you get hit by one bullet in this game, you die. Uh, so you are damaged by bullets of the opposing color. So you absorb bullets 
of the color you are, you are damaged by bullets of the color you aren't, and you do more damage to enemies or that, that are the opposite color that you currently are. And so playing this game really well is knowing the patterns of enemies in each of the levels and simultaneously knowing what color you need to be at every point in a certain map. And to play this entire game perfectly takes about 20 minutes. It's short. But to play it yourself in real life takes a lifetime. (laughs) Uh, Because you just are constantly developing new strategies for each of the different swarms of enemies that come in. You're constantly figuring out like, oh, if I'm this color here, it's very beneficial because I'm going to come up against this guy here. You're learning all the bullet patterns and the actual patterns of the enemies. I want to say that the person who developed, the guy who developed the game developed all the enemy patterns. And I think he might've also done the music. But it's it's just a very holistic sort of thing. Like everything just lines up. The enemy patterns are beautiful. The way the bullets like fan out is it's beautiful. It's an extraordinarily beautiful game. It's, it's so a, cool. It's because it was made for arcades. It is. It really. And I have played it. Is is gorgeous. Well, yeah, and it, it also came out on the Dreamcast initially. That was its original okay. place. And so the reason this is a cool re-release, right? When it came out on the Dreamcast, there was a mode where you could run it uh, and flip your. CRT TV on its side literally flip the television yes, so itself. that it would be the taller aspect ratio and you could play it the way it looked in the arcade uh, and now the switch is the right shape for you to just play it vertically play it the way it looked in the arcade right on your switch machine and really enjoy Ikaruga the way it was meant to be played. presumably if you want you could also dock it and turn your TV <laughs> These your giant ass fifty inch screen like <laughs> HD TV on its side you and play like probably that. could Can and you, you imagine? probably should yeah I've played it in an arcade it is awesome the only arcade like I want two arcade machines in my life I want a copy of Centipede and I want an Ikaruga machine that is what I want these are my demands <laughs> in any case Ikaruga is a great game you should I, play Ikaruga you should definitely play Ikaruga and I would say that um, another GameCube game. Oh, Weirdly, really? It also came out on the GameCube. Oh, I didn't know that. I've only ever played it on the uh, 360. Yeah, the 360 version is slightly different from the arcade and other re-releases of it. Uh, some of the enemy patterns are reversed, seemingly oh. just to fuck with people, which I love. I wonder what this will be then. I am genuinely curious. Uh, I would say that this game, like God Hand, is a game that requires a certain amount of clicking. The first few times I played Ikaruga, I thought, fuck this. And then <laughs> there was a moment when it, when I got it, and it was it was it was a moment when my brain just said switch colors. Yes. Before it's like my finger did it before my brain it's did such it. A, essentially. It's such a zone sort yes. of experience when you are in it, and then so there's like two levels of it where either you just play it and you're like I'm going to try and be in the zone, yeah, or you go I'm going to be this game's dance partner. I'm going to learn this game's choreography, and I'm going to be where the game knows I will be. Excellent. Nice work. Thanks, man. All right. Yeah, no, I There's I a review I wrote of this game that explores this exact concept on a website that is now defunct called Bon Mots and Blood. You wrote a review of Ikaruka? Yeah. I didn't know that. Compared it to Black Swan. Oh. Pretty good work, I'd say. Excellent. <laughs> Could republish that maybe on Zero Stars. We should. Co. If you would like Bob to republish that piece or if you'd like to read any of our work, you can go to ZeroStars.co and email us at podcast at, at zero, zero stars. stars. 
dot co. Not com. There's not no M. com. No computer players. All right. That's so, all the news. That's all the news. That's all the news. Uh, I have been planning a wedding, and I've had a lot of stuff going on at work. Mm-hmm. So... Video game-wise, I've played probably four or five hours of God of War and done very little else. Only, like, total? Or do you mean on top of what you'd played? On top of what I played before. Okay. That game is astonishing. And uh, every time I boot it up, I think it's better than I thought it was. I turned off the auto-targeting. If you're having trouble with this game, I was really having some difficulty with the combat. The key is just go into the menu, turn off the setting that says targeting. Now you can't target things? Guess what? The combat's incredible. It's the best combat that I've had since God Hand. It's perfect. It's so good. It really, really takes my breath away. It's so enjoyable. Um, I also turned off the motion blur, and it's made it a lot easier to follow on my smaller television. Interesting. Very useful. So I am going to... I've beaten the game. Yeah. Um, I'm going to not say anything about the story other than that it is uh, both better than it had any right to be, and to my mind does not quite live up to what it could have been. And yet, like, I don't... And yet, none of us are here for the story. Well, and yet, it's exceeded my expectations by so much at this point that it can't disappoint me. Oh, it will continue to exceed your expectations, and then it will, as a result of, like, showing you what it is capable of it will then proceed to potentially disappoint you in certain ways. But not in ways that I think are problematic with God of War or the God of War story, um, but more problematic with the nature of um, series storytelling. Interesting. And that everything is inherently, like, in this day and age, like, you can't have a game that just tells a confined simple oh, story. So, yeah, I mean, my expectation is that this won't resolve. I mean, it's not like a cliffhanger issue so much as it is just like the back half of it is is feel starts to feel like setup. Um, Interesting, but you know that's that's more of an issue I think with modern entertainment than it is with anything else. Yeah, uh, and some in some ways it's not a problem. You know, not everything falls prey to like the Marvel conundrum of, does level, it have to be an ad or not i know? just want this game to go on forever so if they just well, set me up for another one news. i'm feeling pretty good the good news is that the game kind of does go on for a very long time there is a lot to do and regarding your your targeting issue i have turned my targeting back on for a set of fights that are Ooh. one-to-one fights or w- one to two in which you have it's you and atreus uh your son versus yeah. versus these uh uh they're Valkyries. You'll encounter them pretty cool, soon. Cool. And they are clearly meant to be the ones that test you. Um, in a very early episode of this podcast, I talked about a fight in the game Neo in which I fought a samurai. It's a samurai Dark Souls game. And I fought uh, one-to-one with a samurai for like two hours until my hands were aching and like my, you know, my, you know when your thumbs get sore and oh, everything? Vivid, uh, vivid memories yeah. of it. So, uh, I talked about that and how I finally beat him after all of this, and I had never felt like such sort of weird compassion for an enemy because of the stren the str- like the strenuous length of like the the dueling, and this is delivering on that in a way wow. that God Hand doesn't necessarily, but in a way that calls on all of your God Hand skills, where you are just pattern memorizing mm-hmm. and twitching your twitch controls and pattern memorization, and just 
oh, it feels so good. It is so satisfying, and it is the kind of thing that just makes you ill at ease because you realize that your adrenaline is running and you had nothing to actually use it for. Yeah. And it is good. It is very good. This game is and it's, so it's, it's, good. It's totally different than any of the other fights that you have at other points in the game. But I, but undoubtedly, it uses the same tools. It uses the same tools, and it remixes them so satisfyingly. I use, I never use my shield, and suddenly, suddenly, I'm blocking and parrying in a way that doesn't always quite transfer over to other fights, but it makes me more aware of the the block and parry in a way that I is not necessary in a lot of the in a lot of the story yeah. conflicts. The 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 game is exceptional in the offensive situations. And the idea mm-hmm. that you have a ranged attack is really such a separating thing from something like a God hand where it's just that pure physical punching. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and just being able to throw this, the ax alone that throwing the ax is the whole game, man. It's so incredible. It That's very true. And yet in the late game, I have found that I do not throw the ax nearly as much. And that's cool. There is, there is, a very major shakeup that you have not yet oh approached boy. and I don't want to talk about <laughs> it, but it changes, it, it changes the offensive game. It, like it literally shakes everything up all over again. You could probably guess what it is if you like thought long and hard enough about this game, but like it is, it really, it, it, it allows you to throw the ax and then continue to continue to, do things okay so you so like the strategy of it is like you can freeze a dude with an axe throw and then that doesn't mean that you're just struck with your fists oh you weird can, you can play around it's, it's it's like an entirely new move set oh that sounds great it's it it builds and then yet and even in the late game i have found that just like throwing the axe is not even as necessary as it used to be it's just not because that it's my necessary combo, yeah but my com it's still fun i just love but my it. combo set and I've, I've also built up a combo set so that i throw the axe automatically at certain times i have and that as just, well yeah and it's like when you you back step and like oh. pull back from the mic when i say that but i feel it yeah oh god this game feels so good this it is game so well is, done so last week uh and i know you know, we're just waxing rhapsodic about yeah. God of War. But yeah, go out and get it, man. Dude, last week, we, I think, both were in the camp of, like, this game is amazing, but this game is not necessarily game-changing. It's not defining. Or, or something. The, yeah. I have, even in the short, more amount of time I've played it, this game is top-notch video game design. This game deserves to be mentioned aside other exemplary games this game is serious like i compared this game a lot last week to resident evil 4 is that all stranger uh i think resident evil 4 is incredible i think that this game more than other games i have played since resident evil 4 literally takes from resident evil 4 and i mean that in the best possible way um i mean the there's an animation that they do where you jump off of a ledge and uh, Atreus jumps down into your arms where I'm like did they just take the motion capture that that has got to be a reference it's so that weird because be it's so reference. if you have played Resident Evil 4 you immediately go like this is what if this I is. could talk to the director of God of War that's the first question I would ask yes totally and then I would just say talk to us more about Resident Evil 4 because their insights must be well fascinating you know what's funny about it is I, I believe that Resident Evil 4 came out alongside God of War and that they both had quick time events and I like because those were two of the big games I had quick time events. That's early true. On. And that my biggest disappointment with this game, uh, 
which I, I didn't finish my previous thought, but basically this game is serious. Like, make no mistake, this game is meaningful. It is here. It is and definitive. It is, it is here and is challenging all other video games to be better. And yes, exactly. This is the best game of this generation I have played full stop. And if, if you... Other than Breath of the Wild, I don't... Breath of the Wild is a Nintendo game. It exists outside. And that's, and that's kind of... Yeah. Boy, if there was ever an argument that like... PCs are not actually the quote unquote master race. I sort of get out of here, dude. Disgusting phrase to use to begin with. But between Breath of the Wild and God of War, there are no other games. If yeah. you have Breath of the Wild and God of War, you are up on modern video games. This is what we do now. These are the games. Maybe PUBG or Fortnite. I sure. Don't know. I guess, guess just so what, that you though? can stay with whatever the trend is. Yeah. Like this game is good. Uh, what I was going to say about Resident Evil 4 related to this game and the idea of quick time events kind of being pioneered by both God of War and Resident Evil 4 at that time, both of those games I feel like did quick time events better than this game. And the quick time event parts of this game I think are the weakest part of this game because whenever it does them, I don't feel like there's any stakes. I, I feel like... Because well, you can't really fail them. You can't fail the, them. But that's the modern quick time event is that it almost seems as though it's there just to hide a load time more than anything and else. And I, I feel like... That's a huge failing in this game because they'll happen in like boss fights and stuff. Mm -hmm. And in the original God of War um, and God of War 2 and also Resident Evil 4, the quick time events were punishing occasionally. Like oh, you yeah. could die. Sometimes too easy to fail. Uh, yeah. And at the same time, like there's a knife fight in Resident Evil 4 that is a cinema that is entirely quick time events. And it is one of my fondest gaming memories. And I have literally played it and seen basically every way Leon can die. Yeah. In that I have lost at every stage. And guess what? I loved it because it was every death was like perfectly scripted and unique. This game is very good at doing unique, cool deaths. The different enemies die different ways to different attacks depending on their position to you. This game was really well equipped to have kind of genuinely engaging quick time events. And the thing that this game does that is its only the only like black mark on its report card, in my opinion, is it does not give you things to do in the quieter moments, which is a classic Nintendo trick to do. And I think Resident Evil 4 does it by giving you quick time events and things. But when you're climbing in this game, there's no like speed up. But you there's know no like why. hop. You know why? Because they're loading. Because they're loading. Yeah. But but this is the key. I don't care because I'm still just moving at the same speed. And when you're playing Ocarina of Time, it's like, why can Link roll? Because you need something to do. And it, this game lacks that I am moving in a rote way. I need something to do. That it doesn't need to be yeah. that I am doing something. It needs to feel like I'm doing something. Oh. And if it's just that they make the ledge twice as tall so they can hide the load and I get to jump during it, yeah. I guarantee you I enjoy myself Well, there more. is jumping. You can, it forces you to jump at times. But you can't jump on the, on the wall while you're climbing. Yes. To like, yeah. You can't do anything in those sequences where they're having you kind of slowly walk. There's less busy work. They, yeah. But it's not busy. It's busy work that's self-inflicted, so you feel like you're, quote, doing something. Yeah, but I think that they also, I think that they're aware that there's a certain amount of like, I mean, first of all, throwing the axe is a huge when you're going up and down any kind of elevator in this game. Totally. I'm always throwing the axe just because watching it cling to things is so satisfying. I'm, I'm speaking specifically so about that's movement. Closest. Yes, I, but I agree with you with regard to movement. It, it just kind of lacks... It lacks these sort of quick movement things that mean nothing that are so present in other games. 
that's yeah. not a real critique. It's just like an observation in a game like this that it as otherwise is so. I hesitate to say perfect, but in many ways, just like this game accomplishes everything it wants to. And but the trade-off, I think, as we've we've observed, is the shockingly smooth uh, experience of never having loads. Oh, it's crazy! Which is just. It's it's sort of the more absurd it, as you go along, it becomes more and more absurd. It feels yes. how they hide the loads, and it becomes more obvious. But like it, I certainly not, respect it. But it's not obvious in a way that's distracting. By no means, the yes. pace is just relentless. Yeah, it is amazing. It is a very good game. I could not recommend it enough. Really, and it's just like if you don't have the money for a Switch and Breath of the Wild, guess what? This is a game that is just as good. Like this, I. Oh, that's a little strong. I don't quite agree. Yeah, that's but, strong. Yeah. That's strong. But this game is it's close, man. I I'm hard pressed to see anything wrong with it. Yeah. In a in a serious way. And so I guess from from your perspective, do you do you have something that's just like outside of being slightly disappointed by the story that you're like this is not good? I really don't. And um, so like that's Dude, you spend half the you spend a good portion of the game with a weird little Scottish man's head bouncing it's on amazing. your ass. It's and that's what I love. So my okay, my one this isn't really story, this is more tonal. My one maybe complaint is that I think it could lean into the weirdness more. I agree. One of the benefits of using Norse mythology is that a lot of us are more unfamiliar with it and there are some really weird things that happen in this game. And towards the end, I think that it tries to tonally tighten it up. Um, and reduce the weirdness, but boy, there are moments of weirdness where I'm just like, what a what a journey. I literally laugh at this game. Yeah. Which oh, it never happens. There's a sense of there's there's a childish sense of wonder yes. that occurs when a game is just like, we're gonna put this Scottish man's disembodied head on your like on your belt so he's bumping against your ass throughout yes. this entire game he has commenting horns. on things. Also he has horns. Yeah, and only one eye, but it glows. It's so good. It's so good. Yes. Yeah. And it just I it looks, the music is excellent too. The music is great. Yes. I, uh, I noticed that the music is consistently just like it oh, looks it. incredible. Yes. It cannot be said the enough. snow. Yeah, the let's snow. talk about the snow. The man. snow. I just love the snow. They there's a moment when you get to play in the snow, and if you're not playing in the snow, you're not paying attention because you can just and you throw your your axe, and you're like, oh my god, it displaces the snow just like real snow. And then later in the game, and you're you're like, oh, that was fun to play in the snow. I hope I get to play in the snow again. So then later in the game, you go to a snowy area, and there's more snow, and you're like, I get to play in the snow again. And then bad guys come out. And you fight the bad guys, and as they're being tossed around, they displace you. Like you, if you thought your axe displacing snow was cool, watching them like leap up from the ground, and their like actually the actual shape of their physical being has left a weird little snow angel. It's 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 just like it is it it is Majora's Mask when you leave the footprints after leaving the water. That's exactly what it is, and that I derive so much joy out of out of those little things. There's there's so much time I I spend thinking about how I hate the quest for realism in games because I feel like I look at something like Breath of the Wild, you look at something like Wind Waker, you look at something like any Nintendo game really, and you go, this game looks better than anything that anybody has done, any Far Cry, any of that shit. And well, then yes, although I want to come back to this in a moment. We can't oh, go ahead. Yeah. 
But then I look at this game and I'm riding an elevator up and all of a sudden I get to the top of the elevator and I look over and there's just like a flag waving in the wind and it looks unbelievable. Like there's something about it where I go, if you showed this to me as a kid playing Super Mario 64 and you said, it's going to look like this. Kratos' skin is going to look like this and his eyes won't be all dead. And you will see individual hairs in his beard so that you can pick out the white hairs yeah. from the black ones it that just, make his beard a holistic gray. We've gotten there so slowly that it's like when you grow up and you are getting older and you kind of don't notice. Have we have we got yeah, I and, guess in and, that regard. And, yes. We've gotten there so gradually. I would yeah. say that we've gotten there pretty quickly. Sorry, I but mean yes, gradually. But gradually like, it's yes. been a thing where is somebody who plays video games, you've just kind of seen video games grow up in front of you. Yeah. But just take a second and consider how brain liquefying this game looks. And just, it is shocking. It is amazing. It, it really is. I, I am not for the endless pursuit of realism, but this game pursues realism so well. It really, it really does. What were you going to say? I was going to say that sometimes I think about like Far Cry 2 and the fact that you could shoot branches off of trees. <laughs> And there's a different kind of like physics realism that I feel like we sort of have left behind in favor of um, like visual, just pure visual fidelity and verisimilitude. Like, and there are times when I throw my axe in this game. This is not a critique of the game where I really wish that like I could chop off a tree branch. I I but there's just I was so hoping I could cut down trees. There's such a, a lack of interest in that that I think Zelda reignited a little bit with your well, ability Zelda to chop, chop down trees but you can't you can't take down individual tree branches no but zelda and nintendo like i think the nintendo philosophy is like if it seems like it should work it's gonna work yes yeah and that this, is the the fresh zelda philosophy that continues or continues to remain fresh yeah and i and i think that uh with this game it's so much more actively directed by the creator that I remarkably don't try to do those things. And I yes. think that that's kind of the greatest triumph of this game is that I never notice those things because I don't try to do them. Yes, because it is so carefully paced and it leads you through it leads its, you through its so experiences well. so well. They're so good about like a cinema will end and you're kind of just like, where do I go next? And you are never lost because you look over and they've placed a chest just out of reach the way you need to go. Yeah, or Atreus, Atreus will literally yep. stand in the direction that you need to go to advance and he'll, the story. Well, and they're so good about like putting him in the right place. They're so good about there are these birds that you kill as like part of like there are these green glowing birds. You hit them, they're part of Odin's like a collection Ravens. quest. Yeah. Uh, Odin's eyes, but Atreus will like look at them. Yeah. And they also cast a shadow and on the ground because like, of course that? they do. Yes. Yeah. There's so many things like that that just. This game cares about you and is directed and is thoughtful and feels so polished. I, I am blown away by it because it does not it does not do the things I associate with non-Nintendo games. Yeah. But also you cut a dude's head off. Like it's You do (laughs) Yeah. That um when I I didn't until late in the game introduce that like when you hold down the heavy hit and you just bring the axe. I use that all the time. I only got that late in the game. The variety that's yes. It is and talk about like from like the the pacing of a fight when you nail that in part just because you want to see the animation. There's bonuses on it at the the end of it. Did you upgrade it? 
Yes. Yeah, I've upgraded it. Oh. And it's just, you nail it at the end of the fight. It is the most satisfying, climactic end to like, to like one on one. You just cleave a person in half with certain enemies, depending on the way they're facing you. You'll cut their head off. It does, if they're lying down on the ground, you knocked them down. It does a different move. It's just this brutal ending move. And it feels so it's good. Tactically, extraordinarily satisfying. And it takes a little Tact- bit to warm sorry, up. Sorry, not tactically, tactily. What another malapropism. But it's also both. Yeah. Really, every episode of this show could be about malapropisms in video games. You're not wrong. Uh. Anyway. You have any other thoughts? God of War is great. No, I'm. I'm Go spent. buy a copy of God of War. I can't wait to play more of it. Yeah, it's really good. Matt, what'd you like this week other than video games? Um, I actually, I can't even remember whether I've used this as my favorite thing other than video games in the past or not, but I was listening to Brian Eno's 1978 album, Ambient One, Music for Airports. Great. Again. And I, uh, I really love it. It's I amazing. Just, it is so meditative and soothing and I find it good for literally everything from from reading. And I don't usually listen to music when I read, but from background music while reading to music for writing to music for literally just breathing and just kind of like sitting for a little bit. I find what's, what's amazing about Brian Eno and certain Aphex Twin, like very good ambient music, is that it is equally good when you engage with it and when you are not engaged with yes. it. And that's always shocking to me. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, it, it has... It has two different realities, kind of like Ikaruga. You switch, you can switch back and forth between, and it's very easy. Uh, it feels good, man. That's awesome. Yeah. What's your thing? Mine's also a record. Uh, oh. It's a record by a band called The Armed. The like the Armed. T H E A R M E D. Like and dangerous. Okay. Uh, but the Armed is that the name of the record? No, and the dangerous? record is that would called. Be such a good one. Only love. Oh. This band. They're this, armed with love. This record uh, got good reviews on a couple blogs. And it's, they're a, a metal punk band. It's produced by the guitarist from Converge and the, the drummer from Converged drums on it. Uh, he's also the drummer from Mutoid Man. Um, video game reference there for you. Uh, Smash TV is awesome also, but... Um, Mutoid Man is also a very good metal band. But anyways. Uh, Smash TV and the Switch. Oh, so good. Those controllers. They should do that. Yeah. Um, but this band, The Armed, you guys, this record was well-reviewed. I didn't understand it. I listened to it. I. It is maybe the most abrasive thing I've ever heard. It sounds like... It sounds like a Black Flag record being played at double the speed on a Sega Genesis in Satan's house underwater. It sounds crazy. I've never heard anything like this in my entire life. It is so weird sounding. The production choices are so crazy. And the the weirdest part about it is that they are playing a pop song underneath it. And it's trying to get out of this insane morass of distortion and noise. But the song itself is a pop song secretly. It's so weird. But this band's visual aesthetic speaks to me on the deepest level. Uh, they do not write their name on anything. They just use their logo, which is like a squared off infinity sign. The font that they use to write the album title is so incredible on the cover of this record. If you buy the deluxe version of this record, you get a magazine called No Solutions. 
this magazine contains record reviews of St. Vincent Records, the record by Zwan, <laughs> Billy Corgan's short-lived post-Pumpkins project. They also covered a Smashing Pumpkins song, uh, Fuck You, and Ode to No One. They covered that song. It's a totally straight-ahead cover, but just done in their production style, which changes the song entirely. But they play it exactly straight. Who wrote the reviews in this magazine? I think they did. It contains a bunch of reviews. They're from Detroit. This magazine has a bunch of reviews of Detroit restaurants by a man wearing a shrub costume. <laughs> I really like this. Wow. The, the, what a what a tour de force. The of- visual aesthetics and the holistic insanity of it I cannot describe how deeply it speaks to me. I listened to this record and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. I don't understand. How is this getting these positive reviews? I wish they would take this distortion off. I can see that there's something in this, but I can't understand it. And then it, I was trying to go to sleep uh, and I just kept hearing a part of it in my brain. And now I keep listening to it and they beat me or something. Cause I love it. I don't they got you. I can't explain it. And I, you're going to listen to this and you're going to be like, this dude's fucking crazy. And I think you're right. I don't understand why I like this thing so much. Sometimes those are the best things to like. I, it is awesome. And their, their visual aesthetic is so good. And they're so charmingly understated. Like they have this cover, the smashing pumpkin song and the cover of it is a picture of Billy Corgan that like their friend drew. And Uh it says, and it says on the band camp, you scroll down and it's just like cover art is based on the Smashing Pumpkins farewell show at the Metro. Look it up. It's super sweet, <laughs> which is a crazy thing to say because those shows are notoriously terrible. <laughs> like, I don't know who you are, but you like the Smashing Pumpkins the way I do. But you also seem to like some of the weird latter day bad Smashing Pumpkins that kind of sounded like this record. And I don't know what to make of it. It's so good. I love it. It makes no sense. Listen to it and just be bemused. This is the killer seven of albums. We've used the word holistic and bemused quite often in here. Possibly we've been using both wrong this entire time. That would be a malapropism.